Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Alex McLaren. I'm an actor and I've worked as a communications coach since 2002. Now so much business is being conducted remotely, the ways in which we talk, present, build relationships and connect is changing. In this podcast, I want to explore all those issues and prove to you that no matter who you are, you can talk to anyone. Hello and welcome to You Can Talk To Anyone, the podcast where we open the bonnet on our communication engine. I'm Alex McLaren. And I am Tom Zielinski. We're in separate places this week, having this conversation with each other via a brilliant podcast recording platform called Scodcast. And I've been sitting here all week and and it's inspired me to talk about storytelling because that's the kind of session I've been running remotely from this very desk. Yeah, it was interesting. When the pandemic started and all of these video conferencing platforms like Zoom and Teams became such a a regular part of our everyday working life, which they really hadn't been up until then, one of the things I noticed was that a lot of the stuff that we did about physical behavior simply didn't apply anymore because Mm. everybody was reduced to head and shoulders on someone else's monitor or laptop screen well uh, my perspective is slightly different i think I, I, i'm i'm very conscious of the of the real-time rhythm of an interaction between you and another person and some of that d- did apply to a degree particularly when people had an open audio channel for a one-on-one video conference but uh as um well your experience will be the same tom when everyone's on mute on a video call there's this dreadful kind of ratchety hiatus they have an inspired moment and then there's about 0.77 of a second before they can actually get the microphone open to say it or or longer when they kind of raise their digital hand and get permission to speak (laughs) say it into the call um but what but the yes the the sort of the 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 storytelling dimension of it um seems to be just as strong and i was just i'm just thinking about the ways in which the stories we tell feature in our social discourse um, because it's not simply a matter of kind of uh, storytelling as, 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 a, as a skill for people communicating isn't only a, a powerful means of structuring things it's also it seems to be a key part of when people are chatting with each other that, that what they're doing particularly with people that they know well with their friends yeah I mean a lot of the time when I'm talking to people about storytelling the goal is to get them to do often something quite formal, like a presentation to the board or a new business pitch or something like that. And one of the dangers is that they approach this in a very different way than they would approach what you're talking about, just sitting around and telling a story to to friends. And most people are somewhere between very good and wonderful storytellers Mm. when they are relaxed and just sharing information in that 
that sort of social environment. Yeah, I, the, one of the, the things I've discovered when doing this kind of work with people in a work context is that they they chat very easily, got a million anecdotes which they've told their mates, and, and when they tell them to each other at work, they uh, they find they get a very positive response. One of the, the things we have to explore with groups is, uh, well, what does that story that you've told what does it mean? <laughs> I mean, just, there's an example I can think of recently. A guy was telling a story about how when he was a student, he'd gone to Brazil. And uh, and then the, the story was one of those kind of nightmare planes, trains and automobiles struggles as he tried to get to the airport in order to get home. So there was this real sense of adventure. He was... <laughs> he was a, Taking um, clock, a race against yeah, time. all of that. He was an Irish man um, in his 20s on the far side of the world, <laughs> sort of feeling very isolated. And young, and but you know, still sort of dumb and confident enough to try this stuff out in a way that fifty-year-olds uh, tend not to do alone. Um, of course, that's a you know, it's was, it was great. We we're kind of going on a sort of a, a sort of a hilarious comic adventure with him. Uh, but sometimes when we, we we tell stories, we're really just accounting sort of a, a, an experience, and we f- maybe we find out what it's about by other people's responses, um, which is why I think some um, stories we won't tell, except in particularly. Uh, sympathetic or really kind of safe circumstances. This is something I'll share with my really closest friends. This is something which I know is good for a party Um, because other people's perspective on our experiences can sometimes give us a a sort of a better um, insight into what that was really about, (laughs) if you see what I mean. Yeah, as as one of the moguls, maybe Sam Goldwyn once said, uh, if you want to send a message, use Western Union. (laughs) Uh, so when even when people are making stories up they don't usually start with a message Mm, yes uh, a a meaning and then figure out a story that's going to convey that they're inspired in other ways to tell a story and they discover that it has resonances and it has meanings for other people and of course therefore those meanings can change over time absolutely i mean different sort of adaptations of the same fictional narrative can have completely different angles and slants and very different meanings um i mean sometimes that's made uh uh, explicit by taking the perspective of a very different character um, within a story, because the uh, the subjective nature <laughs> of of one's account of an experience is going to hugely influence the the meaning of it. Yes, the story of Frankenstein from the perspective of Igor. Is there that? There, yes, there is. There is. <laughs> yes, it exists. Of course, it exists. Yeah, it actually. How could it not? Of course. Um, yeah, maybe it's kind of a sort of humility, really, that they that they. They, they don't necessarily feel that other people are keen to hear, this is what happened to me. And I was just wondering whether that is justified or not. Um, I, I think there the, the can be situations when we're trapped um, with a person who possibly isn't listening enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so they, that th- you feel like, oh God, I'm, I'm again and again. I'm hearing this person's experience again yep. and again, and so that, and that they're not aware of the fact that they need to hand over the baton to hear other mm. people's stories as well in order for it to be a fair swap. And you know it, that can be fine, maybe not optimal, but but okay mm. if the stories they're telling are fascinating stories, brilliantly told. After a while, yes, you do start to end up feeling a little bit like an audience member rather than an active participant. But the the far bigger problem, I think, is when you're faced with somebody who has a limited ability to curate what they think might be an interesting story for you to listen to, or (laughs) just either because of 
the way their brain's wired or because of the stress of talking to you isn't managing to tell it in a particularly engaging way. I think because uh, that is the anxiety that people bring to it. I think that's what buttons people up because they, they fear that they are that person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that they don't really know um, uh, kind of what a, what a good story would be or why they should tell it. And you get into that spiral. This is one of the things we talked about in this podcast before, this spiral of self-doubt and anxiety. Uh, and that's what does the, the damage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Funny, I was um, so I've been doing sessions with people who work for ages, and one of the things I ask people to do is go and just tell each other a good story and come back and uh, reflect on it. Um, And one of the things which comes up uh, again and again is people will tell people stories about the about the hard time they had (laughs) or the time that they screwed up. And I've always uh, it it, it seems pretty self evident to me, maybe not to everybody, uh, but that that. To hear st- other people's disaster stories is really nice, um, and if you had to, if you think that's true, <laughs> um, why? Why do you think? Why? Why should it be so? Uh, so why should that be so much more satisfying um, than hearing people's stories of triumph? There's an evolutionary reason, I think, why uh, we're drawn to stories about death and disaster and that's so we can learn from other people's mistakes yeah. <laughs> one of the great gifts of language uh, that uh, I don't have to uh, hurl myself off the cliff to discover that uh, gravity is a bitch I don't even have to watch you do it I can just hear someone else talk about it and think to myself right I don't think I will hurl myself off that cliff I think that's something I'm going to steer clear from so we're drawn to those stories I think in general we're drawn to stories about people and things. We're drawn to stories about uh, emotional aspects and we're drawn to things we can easily visualize. And that's one of the traps because if you are somebody in the financial services or if you're in uh, the legal profession or you're somebody involved in technology, you may find that a lot of what you have to talk about when you're at work are concepts and theories and intangible things. Mm. And, and also that there's a, a premium put on being able to think in abstractions and, uh, and draw pattern conclusions in order to apply to completely different specific circumstances, which means you can end up drifting out of uh, the kind of the, the details of storytelling altogether. And so this becomes particularly important when you are an expert talking to non-experts. If you are an expert talking to a fellow expert, even if you are talking in abstractions, even if you're using very technical language, this is probably a way of expressing yourself that is very familiar to the other person. And even though they might have to work a bit harder, it's you know all very familiar stuff and it'll be easy. But when you are talking to somebody who writes checks uh, or who hires and fires but who doesn't share your expertise, then you need to find a way of making it understandable to them. And that, of course, leads to accusations of dumbing down. But I think a really good test of how well you understand something is, can you make it simple? And if you can make it simple and easy for someone else to understand, then I think you understand it really well. If you struggle to do that, maybe it's because you don't actually understand it as well as perhaps you thought. To stand up for those poor people, maybe they just, uh, they, they simply don't spend much of their time having to explain it to such rubes as me. Um, it's interestingly, I think it, 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 it still is useful to be able to, uh, 
to spellbind um, in, in, in sort of with specific cases through obviously quite dry and abstract circumstances, even when talking to people who are in roughly the same circle as you. And uh, one key circumstance in which is really important is when you're at a job interview. I mean, I've done, uh, I don't do it much for, um, for the spontaneity shop, but occasionally I'm asked um, sort of uh, as, a, as a mate to coach people for when they're going up for a new job. Yes, yeah, so or Uncle Alex will try and get you through your university entrance. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I've, been, I've well, been that person. Tom, I mean, it is the, <laughs> it's the highest stake situation. It really is. It really is. It's absolutely terrifying because you're basically being, you're having your ear bent as a, uh, a professional by, um, by someone who is a personal friend. And, um, well, okay. Um, it's uh, I, without wanting to brag, I actually have quite a high hit rate in this area. Um, and one of the questions which often comes up, will people will say, they'll say, we, "We're looking for this particular quality <laughs> in a person. Can you give us an example of, uh, of how you relate to this particular issue or challenge?" Um, and you can, you, and you know, people know roughly what they're going to have to talk about. You know, if they're going for a sales job, they're going to have to talk about campaigns they've managed or teams have turned around and so forth. Um, and telling the story of that is something which hugely benefits from a bit of practice because when they're trying it out with somebody like me, they then, oh, that's interesting. That's a good bit. That's, that's a bit I need to, I need to take note of. Um, and you discover that by, by doing it with audiences. And, of course, you don't spend your personal life going around interviewing for your own job. So how do you get practice at that? And I think that that's a really helpful use of the of the job interview coaching time. In a job interview, I don't, not suggesting that there's anything obviously better which could go in its place, but it's a pretty bad way of figuring out who is the right person to hire. Oh, God, yes. Because you're looking for three things, and you really all you can do is guess at one of them by uh, what happens at the interview. You're looking for, can this person do the job? Will this person do the job? And will this person fit in? And you can get a sense of whether or not they'll fit in by talking to them. But can they do the job well? It'll probably say on paper that they can. That doesn't mean, of course, they actually can. And it's really hard to know that from talking to them. And will they do the job? You know, are, they, are they motivated? That's when, as the interviewee, your ability to tell a story which makes that feel something more than an airy claim mm. Yeah. becomes really important. And when you can give it texture, when you can give it that feeling of tangibility, that's when people will go, oh, this person, they really sound like they, they want this. They really sound like they know what they're doing. Yes, and, and also, I mean, there are very few jobs in which being persuasive isn't helpful. Um, and if you actually do some of the persuading in the job interview circumstances, then that's a, that's a very good thing. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I, I'm always advising people to get stories which they know work. Um, and uh, and that's something which you you tend to discover by practice. You're motivated to tell a story again when it went well last time, and <laughs> you'll gradually hone and refine it by working with other people. Good stories tend to be the ones that stick in your mind. It's one of the tests. You'll remember good stories, and then you'll retell them. And of course, when you retell them, you wear another groove in that part of your mind. Um, do you want to hear a story from one of our clients? Uh, I think I'd love to, yes. This is one I... I've told it so many times, I now use it as an example because it's, it's an example of a really good case study. Uh, and it is an example of a story which does have a message, but the message isn't what makes it memorable, but it is important because it's built around an insight. So here's the story. I'll do it as efficiently as I can. My client is a PR firm for um, pharma companies. Their client is a German manufacturer of generic drugs. So when you invent a new molecule that has a new effect, you get a, a patent, I think it's for 20 years, where that patent runs out, anyone can make it. So I remember when Zyrtec first came out, it was the only antihistamine that actually worked. Zyrtec were able to manufacture it under that name for 20 years, and now anyone can make, uh, I think it's called cetirizine, and you can get it under lots of different brand names. And then, of course, the price goes down. So this company, Fresenius Carby, came to my client and said, we need to relaunch in the UK. We're not selling as much as we want to, and we want to try and get a bigger slice of the pie. But what claim can you make as a manufacturer of generic drugs? You can't say that your version works better than someone else's because it's literally the same molecule. Uh, so what can you do? And so uh, my client thought and thought and thought, and eventually they realized there was one aspect of their client which they hadn't mentioned on any of their marketing materials or any of their packaging, and that was they were German. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and in the UK, what does yes. being German mean? Yes, there's a kind of, there's, a, there's a, a, a story out there that they're very efficient, very effective. Very efficient, very precise. Scrupulously you brilliant know, in every way. Exactly. When you buy a drug from the German company, <laughs> it's definitely going to be 100% yeah. what it yeah. says it is. Vorsprung durch Technik. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they rebranded with a greater emphasis on their Germanic origins, and I think a sort of like steel and chrome looking logo, and something like added 50% of their sales. So I, I'm very able to retell that story without any effort, even though I only heard it once originally. But I seized on it because I said the great thing about that, uh, what makes it so easy to remember, is it's built around an insight. And the hidden message, which was the very angle that my client was going for, was we are deep thinkers and we will solve difficult problems. But that's not why you remember the story. You remember the story because of that punchline Ah, German. Germans, yeah, no, it's funny. There's a little bit of an art to that, so you, I have to throw German in early without putting too much attention on it, so you don't realise I'm setting something up. But you have to be aware of that without knowing you're aware of it, so that yeah. I can reincorporate it and use it as a as a punchline towards the end. It is a great story, and you do it really well. And I just want to point out for listeners that there's uh, there's something that your your confidence with it 
allows you to explore, which perhaps a less expert storyteller wouldn't be able to explore. Um, and that's you're, you're deliberately leaving room for me to get ahead of you and to join in. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so uh, there's a, and I think that it's something that everybody does when they're on really comfortable turf um, with people that they know really well. Um, but you know why it works and how it works, which enables you to extend it to a broader group of people. And certainly in a job interview situation, it would be like getting free expert advice. And I would not want you to leave the room without having signed the contract. I was talking about this yesterday with a client. We sometimes think that storytelling is I just have to st say once upon a time and end with happily ever after. <sighs> Take a deep breath and wipe the sweat from my brow. It worked. But that isn't, I don't think, really what is happening in most storytelling circumstances socially. It's much more of a, um, for me anyway, a uh, a conversation and uh, one of the exciting things is allowing space for your audience to be a creative contributor to it and that's something which they find very energizing and exciting as well i mean when you tell that story to people it would be hard to argue with it particularly because i made some of the argument myself um and it's what uh, great stand-ups are doing as well yeah. particularly those like you know to think of some of the greats like billy Connolly, mm. who are storytellers rather than gag merchants mm. and you you watch one of those comedians in concert and it's very unlikely they'll be heckled so there isn't actually any back yeah. and forth at all but the way that they're talking and the thing that you're talking about leaving space for the audience to sometimes get ahead mm. construct their own version of the story wonder what they would do in similar circumstances all of that makes it feel like a conversation even even though in reality it's entirely one way for 60 or even 90 minutes. Yeah, I think it's really it's um, particularly important that the way – well, one reason why so many uh, uh, political analysts um, all over the US and the UK are going absolutely nuts for what Volodymyr Zelensky is doing is that he is constantly leaving space for his people. He's constantly in a conversation with them. He's inviting them to contribute. And this began well before he was in a military situation. And kind of it's a, it's fascinating how when he became president, um, he in his speech he said uh, he said he wanted people to take away photographs of uh, Ukraine's president off the wall of their office and instead put up pictures of their own family. He's asking mm. them to insert themselves into a space of leadership. He was, he tells a story about how his son said, and does this mean I'm president as well? Um, and everybody laughs. How charming. Um, yep. But then he talks about how... Yes, he is president. You're president. We're all president. And actually, he he's wanting to really construct a different vision of uh, political authority uh, within a new democracy, um, particularly one on the back of a kind of a history of corruption. I'm very struck that this is a person with a background in storytelling and comedy who is suddenly in a position where he can have that conversation, not just um, with a couple of people over drinks and not just in a comedy club, but with the whole nation and now the whole world. Uh, so um, it, it may just be about chatting with the people you love, but it can also be about uh, something somewhat, something more substantial as that as well. Yeah, so who who is the audience? Yeah. What are their beliefs and expectations before you start speaking? Uh, what do you want them to know or believe or feel when you finish speaking? These are all really important questions. Now, you can use storytelling and not do yourself any favors sometimes because your story is too good, but you don't realize the message that you're sending. So if you're doing a new business pitch, 
and your pitch to your clients is, uh, here is the almighty mess you've made of things. Uh, here is how brilliant we are. And this is us writing to the rescue. You will not get the business, even if your storytelling is brilliant and everything you said is true, because you've made them feel awful. You did it depress them. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, your story should be, you guys have done amazing work. Yeah. Uh, it's just possible with our help, things could yeah. be even a little bit better. Yeah. What do you say? Yes. Yeah. Well, this is really interesting that we, uh, we're we looking at this from the outside. We'd love to know what's going on here. Yes. I mean, you can invite them to tell you their yeah. story. And I think one thing which I think that good storytellers are always doing is their, their stories provoke response from other people. Um, and I think in, you, can, you can actually see some very gifted storytellers not really telling many stories at all, but listening to everybody else's and almost curating the stories that follow. You've probably seen this happen, but we do an exercise, and I think you referred to it earlier, where we send people off into groups, uh, pairs of two, and get them to tell each other a story. And when I do it, I only want one person to tell one story. There's often a bit of uncertainty at first, or who should tell it? Like, nothing interesting has ever happened to me. Why don't you go first? Do I feel the same way? And then somebody starts telling a story. Once they finish telling their story, the instructions are come back and sit down or leave the breakout room in the Zoom and come back to the main room. But people very often don't. Absolutely. When I look around the room, <laughs> if I'm doing it in person, I know when people have finished telling a story because they're both talking at once. Mm, yeah. It's become a conversation because there are follow-up questions. Like, oh, that reminds me of something that happened to me. Yes. And suddenly you can't shut them up. Yes, there's a kind of daisy chain. I mean, I, I get people to do it A to B, B to A, but then there's sometimes there's a B, A to B that follows, and then there's, kind of, <laughs> yes. and there's an absolute cycle of things because uh, there's uh, we 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 find a kind of we it's when we hear people's stories, they're often connecting with something very vulnerable and honest, and uh, and that inspires us to do the same kind of disclosing in return. And I think if there's one thing to just to close this on, it's that I think that's one reason why. Um, at the risk of boring people, telling stories is generous because we're typically um, opening up and saying something emotional and personal. And the advantage of that for other people is that it can make them feel less uh, judged and safer. Uh, and it can inspire all kinds of connection between you and other people. It's one of the reasons that you're more likely to swap fun stories with people that you trust. Um, and it's why swapping stories with people uh, creates that trust if it wasn't there before. Um, thank you for joining us. If you have any uh, questions or observations about what we're talking about, please get in touch. I'm at alex at the hyphen spontaneity hyphen shop.com. And I'm Tom at the hyphen spontaneity hyphen shop.com or I'm at Tom Solensky on Twitter. We do work on storytelling and all kinds of face to face communication, both uh, on video conferencing formats, face to face. We also have uh, a really vigorous podcasting strand. So please get in touch if you're interested in this dimension of our work. Um, and please do uh, like, rate, and subscribe. Do all the things you do to podcasts in order yep. to reach a wider listenership for this uh, this series. And uh, get in touch with us if you have any requests for things for us to cover in future. I'm Alex McLaren. And I'm Tom Solinsky. Thanks for listening and goodbye. You have been listening to You Can Talk to Anyone with Alex McLaren and Tom Solinsky. The producer for The Spontaneity Shop was Tom Solinsky. You Can Talk to Anyone is distributed exclusively by Acast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 